and welcome to What Do You Like? Where we talk about what insert you like. And today's insert you is our good friend, Justin. Hello, it's great Hello. to be here. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, you never thought you, your career would take you here, did it? No, of course did not. <laughs> no. <laughs> so for those of us who, those of you who have not, who are just joining us for this, we want to talk about what you like. Specifically, today's topic is Justin's topic. So Justin, what do you like? Oh, I'm a huge fan of any sort of film or theater that is just off the rails bad. So can you give us some examples? Because I can think of a few and I was wondering if they'll line up. Oh, I can give you, I can list off a bunch of examples. There's many. Uh, in terms of movies, I think top of the list has to go to Trolls 2. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> honestly, it's, it's a classic. I watch it several times a year. <laughs> <laughs> because awesome. it fills me with so much joy to watch how bad it is there's uh, no trolls in it is there no it's about goblins <laughs> <laughs> so i think there's a translation error but there's a um because troll 2 is american right yes and i'm re i recently so Dree adriana suggested to me this k-drama called goblin and I, she was describing it to me. She goes, it's about a goblin who's roommates with a Grim Reaper, but there's no goblins. The oh. guy, it's just, a, they call him a goblin and he's just a dude. They call that, they say oh. he's a goblin. And I'm just like, <laughs> I feel like I'm missing something here. Cause I was expecting him to be like short and stocky and have like little horns or something. Mm. And no, it's just a dude, very hot dude. Hot goblin. Hey, apparently. Yeah, so back going back to Troll 2, when you see a horrible movie, do you like go and try to figure out what exactly, why it went off the rails at all? Um, I mean, probably later, but in the moment, I you just need to take a step back and really just enjoy what you're watching, like a, like a bad train wreck. Because for me, watching movies, the really bad stuff is the best because unfortunately, I'm a bit of a talker during movies and watching a bad movie gives me an excuse you know pause the movie and really just talk about what just happened especially when it's incredibly bad yeah uh, like anytime uh the mom in troll 2 is on the screen it's weird because oh. watching it do you think they ever did, took more than one take of any of the scenes I'm sure they did, which makes it a little bit worse. Yeah, because I was thinking that too, because it's like, if they just were like, good, done, moving on, it's like, well, what was the bad takes? Because that, was, that <laughs> was a director, sorry, that was a director that like, because I feel like some bad movies, sometimes that you go through it and you're like, the whole time everyone involved is like, this is a bad idea, but you know, this is my chance to make something, so we're going to follow through with it. Wasn't this guy actually really invested in this movie and thought it was really, really good? I think he was, yes. Yeah. And you can definitely yeah. see in, like, some takes where, you know, the acting just becomes, like, over-the-top dramatic. <laughs> and you, you get the feeling that they took a bunch of takes and was like, this is the one. Like, I could really feel it in this one. Yeah. Oh. They're eating her. <laughs> And then they're going to eat me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. God. <laughs> Classic. It, it's everyone's favorite, honestly. Yeah. Like, I feel like with bad movies, they definitely stick with you more on multiple level, levels. Because at yeah. first, you're just like, oh, my God. And then the more you think about it, you're just like so much work. A movie or a play that it gets to the point that it's released and it's 
that bad. It wasn't like a, a big production studio. The, mm-hmm. uh, an example, uh, well, first I just want to, still on Troll 2, the, the uh, first time I saw it was with Justin and some other people. And it was like a team bonding experience because we were yeah. all still on the team at the time. And it was so absurd. And like seeing Justin's like out of control laugh, <laughs> something really gets him. It like makes yes. me laugh hysterically. <laughs> oh, that sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's by far the most enjoyable movie experience I've ever had. Honestly, a horrible movie night can be a great time. One Halloween, we did that once where we watched Stephen King's, um, was it like Sleepwalkers or something? It's the one with the cat people. Oh. <laughs> I'm adding it to my list, don't worry. Oh, please do. <laughs> It's not the one with the uh, quote-unquote shit weasels, which is also seems like a pretty, it's a weird one. Also by Stephen King. Wait, uh, which one did you just say? The one where what? There, so there's two that I would put in my really bad movie repertoire. And one of them, I can't remember the name. It's like Daybreakers or something. And it has, the monsters are called shit weasels. Hmm. And the other one, which I have actually, I bought it on DVD. I went on Amazon and I bought it because... I was like, I can't be the only person to see this. We need to watch it together because it opens with a man and a woman having a romantic evening together and music starts and they're dancing and the woman's being flirty. And then the man turns to him and goes, oh, mother, I love you. Oh, no. (laughs) And that's the opening scene. It is. I was like, oh my god what have i what have i just watched and the thing is is like mark hamill's in it luke skywalker is in it he's got like two seconds of scenes but he's in it and clive bart who made hellraiser he is also in it (laughs) for two seconds and it's for some i think they were walking past the set and stephen (laughs) king was like we're making a terrible movie you want to join (laughs) and they said fuck yeah awesome what am i a policeman great yeah <laughs> that's like the uh the cameo at the start of was it zombievers or something oh yeah it was that was the most random thing ever zombievers it was um who it was but it, it was like two famous comedians or something no not even that. it was bill bill Burr, the comedian and yes mayor <laughs> they're both driving like a a trash truck or something and they drive and like almost hit this zombie beaver <laughs> like what a combo bill burr and john mayer like have they ever crossed paths besides that movie i don't know uh, do you think they, they show up again they brought that they got in they got on the set and they're like bill burr this is john or bill this is john john this is bill and they're just like who are you yeah Maybe. <laughs> like, both each to each other because they i feel like there's so many degrees of separation between those two like uh, you never know i don't know maybe maybe one is friends with the other and we just wouldn't expect it I listen to the Bill Burr podcast. I, I mean, he's like, he plays the drums and he knows a lot of musicians. So I don't think it's unreasonable that, is, that, that he doesn't have at least a connection to John Mayer. But still, for this like terrible horror movie about <laughs> zombievers, like these are the two guys you have playing these super unimportant characters. Like, yeah, <laughs> because they go. have a limited budget and, they, and even though they know it's a terrible movie, they're going to demand to it's be like, paid yo, and they have John standards. I, I'm actually tempted to watch it now just so I could see Bill Burr have like a Bostonian freakout. I didn't know it was him at the time. Mm. I think he might have a mustache or something. But yeah. then going back, it's like, wait a minute. 
Uh, John I, Mayer, I didn't know it was him either. They're both kind of like, I right, don't Justin? Know John are they both? Because like... it's a totally unimportant part. Right. You wouldn't notice it unless thinking. you were like looking at the <laughs> I, So, Justin, like a, a small question. You, I assume you've watched many, many terrible movies. Is there ever a movie that it's so bad it can't even be like amusingly funny? I would guess it's like a comedy that's really bad because all the jokes fall flat. Yeah, there, there are definitely some movies like that. It's tough because in order to get a really good, bad movie, it needs to like breach into like a level of comedy mm-hmm. in how bad it is. Yeah. If you just if it, you just have like flat, bad acting and like an uninspiring plot, then it becomes tough to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah. It does, there, I mean, there are elements like, which makes me think like horror movies are definitely like, when a horror movie flops, the odds of it becoming just a straight up cult classic are 10 times more likely once Absolutely. it hits Blu-ray. Yeah. Or once it hits like the, back in the day, once it hits the rental stores, because you got all these kids, you got the kids who go there like on Friday, look around, they're just like, this has a weird cover on it. Wonder what it, what this is about. And it's just a stock, just what's in stock. So that makes sense. And people then have the nostal- additional nostalgia to it, mm-hmm. I would say. Absolutely. But, I have a feeling yeah. Children of the Corn was probably that for Coach Masico. Were you there? <laughs> Maria, no. were you, had you graduated at that time? Probably. Okay, because Masico at one point was like, he heard we were watching bad movies and he was like, you need to watch this. Or he heard we were watching scary movies. He's like, you need to watch Children of the Children Corn. Children of the Corn. And yeah. we watched it. And it was, that was a, that was a fan favorite. Yeah. The, the mushroom cloud one. with the face. That was. <laughs> I'm having trouble remembering. All I remember is the like. I don't know if he was. He had that condition where like he was older, but he looked like a child. The Isaac, the Isaac yeah, character. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. He he plays children, but he's he's thirty. Right. That's his. Yeah. That's his niche, yeah. because he can be a good child actor because he can right. act because yeah. he's thirty. <laughs> right. And I just remember Malachi. <laughs> that's all I remember from it. <laughs> Malachi's think, a funny name. I think my favorite was the very end. Of the, of the movie where they're like oh we'll send them a postcard and then it's just the end <laughs> across the screen i think this is i think a true testament to stephen king's writing because is that stephen king yeah he wrote children oh. of the corn it's a oh, short wow. story and yeah. also if you ever read it it is fucking dark <laughs> oh yeah there's no forced happy ending mm. everybody dies mm. <laughs> But yeah, the couple things that are good with that is, I, and I think a part that makes movies good, like bad movies good, is when people just throw their all into it. And those kids were throwing their absolute all yeah. into it. Yeah. But I guess what I'm more interested about is, is like, what plays have you seen that you're just like, oh my God, this is terrible. Please give me more. Put on my, For those uh, of you listening, cat yeah. cat's hat. With the cat's ears. Did you yeah, go to a screening, like a midnight screening? Is that how you got that? No, or, or is that from the, the play? Um, at the play, yeah, when yes. it came to Boston during the North American <sighs> tour. I actually took uh, Ryan yeah. to see that. Yeah. That was, yeah, Maria, we talked about this, how yep. we saw the movie first, and I was like, <laughs> I'm only seeing this movie with Justin. I will not see it with anyone else. And I was traumatized. <laughs> yes, but, I saw your notes. <laughs> but then, yeah. <laughs> but then Justin was like, hey, they're coming to Boston literally next week. And I was like, all right, I don't want this like sour taste in my mouth of this movie. So I'm just going to give it a shot. And then I went and it was amazing. It was mm. so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the play is fantastic. I mean, it's there's a reason weird. why it's still there. It's very weird. Yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's why it, it 
stayed so long on Broadway. It's because it was a spectacle. It was something to go yeah. see. Right. Everyone that went to go see it would talk, tell all their friends, like, this show is bizarre. You need mm -hmm. to see it. Yeah. You need to see it. You could argue Cats is like, it's, it's so weird it's good because no one had ever any, seen anything like that. Mm -hmm. And they became very creative in how to, pr how to present it because they don't look like cats, you know? No. We, no. They, they have to dance, so they're not wearing cat costumes. And I just remember one of the costumes, I think I saw like a clip of the, um, of the Broadway show. The one, you know, they released a video of it, they, like a VHS of it. And yeah, the 1998 like, version, yeah. I watched that the, several times a year. Yes, and the Gumby <laughs> cat, I'm like, that's a really unique costume design for the for her appearance mm -hmm. and you know it's stuff like i realized you know what like just that small clip i was like they had to use so many because when you go to, to a play you suspend your disbelief it takes that suspension of disbelief and they and it also like adjusts it for to be more artistic if that makes any sense so that way you can be like i can see that as a gumby cat i can see her as a cat i can see the form how she moves in order to get people to be like yeah i can get the picture that it's trying to present yeah the actors actually do a, a lot to present themselves as cats in the way that they move around like slink around the the stage they're playing like in the if you watch in the background even though the main cat at, at the time is doing their song in the background that the kittens will be playing with each other mm -hmm. it's it's very fun to watch because it gives them personality even though the actual play itself doesn't really have much in the way of story yeah. as uh, i think one producer said he was listening to lloyd weber andrew lloyd weber's pitch and he goes what's this about man is it some kind of metaphor <laughs> he just goes dude it's about cats. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> Bottom line. <laughs> it's got such an interesting history, the, the making of the play itself. Because as I was, I told Ryan, like, no one thought this was going to work. Oh, absolutely. It was such a passion project. Lloyd Webber had to take like a second mortgage on his house or something in order to get it funded. And he was even any like this guy. I think he had made Phantom of the Opera by then. So he was not unwell. He was not poor. That's how little faith people had in this, that he was just like, no, no, we're going to do it. We're going to make it work. Let's go. <laughs> there were just so many like positive elements to it. I looked at it as an athletic event. Like the people on stage are such great athletes in the way that they dance and the, their flexibility. They have to be quick and like nimble. And I was just like, this is like watching the Celtics or watching something like watching these incredible athletes perform crazy impressive justin didn't you say at one point that at the beginning it wasn't quite like that it was more of like they were all dressed up in their like big costumes and and then it, over time it evolved into more choreography i'm not 100 percent sure but it definitely has evolved a lot over time yeah like the set has evolved quite a lot the set's amazing now yeah it's absolutely beautiful at one point it was actually uh, all inflatable <laughs> yeah that's awesome um, oh my god it's like a giant bouncy house yeah <laughs> um, but these days, like, like Ryan saw it, it, it's like a junkyard. It looks fantastic. The costumes have, have evolved over time. Even the play itself has evolved. It used to be uh, racist. Oh, <laughs> well, you know what? It was made by a British guy, so I totally believe that. I nothing against British people. Uh, T. S. Eliot's poem yep. book. And 
I, I also learned looking into because when the movie was released and everyone's like, this is terrible. I, w- I wanted to be like, well, why did it work in the beginning? Because I've never seen it. I've only seen bits and bobs and it all and I was just like this looks so weird why would they even try and also like the guys that when I at the job I was at I was working with all guys and like two of them were huge Taylor Swift fans and they were just like she looks so hot as a cat isn't that like that was a mistake yeah (laughs) I was like that's That's furry territory and nothing against furries but I know you two and I know you guys scoff at furries that's furry territory (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I have nothing against furries, but please, like, no. <laughs> if, if you're going to have any lines, Taylor Swift can't cross them, no matter how much you lust after her. When Lloyd Webber was pitching this to T.S. Eliot's widow, because she had been very adamant, like, nothing. This yeah. book is not being touched. I don't think it's going to work. And he said, well, what if I created it as kind of like a chorus line review and be it like catty and you know gossip column me and she loved the idea she's like oh my god he would have loved that and that's how she gave him the rights is because he literally went against the grain of what everyone was trying to do which was make it very like respectful mm. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't work it, like she was like you're gonna ruin it and he's like well what if i make it the exact opposite of that she goes there you go uh, I don't really get that logic, but right, worked out. It's hard if you want to hear more about that. Like, um, I would suggest Lindsay Ellis's video "Why Is Cats," because <laughs> she also really likes the production of it too, and she goes into why people like it so much, and then she goes into why it didn't work, which is kind of where I want to go with you. Like, I want to ask you, Justin, like when you saw that movie. What checkboxes did it just tick off for you? Like right off the bat, the first time that you see one of the cats and it's just bizarre. It like, what, what's it called? The Uncanny Valley, basically. Yeah. At least with the stage production, you can tell these are people dressed up as cats. Yeah. The, like these are cats costumes and the cats costumes that you've known to love because you've watched this play 700 times mm-hmm. on the VHS. But then when you got to the movie theater and I think it's Victoria is the first one that you see comes out of the bag and you're like, what in God's name am I looking at right now? <laughs> <laughs> what did they do? <laughs> if they were going to make this movie, it should have been either the standard cats costumes, like we know it from the play, or they should have just gone full animation. It was in the cards yeah. a long, long, long time ago. They had been talking about doing an animated Cats movie. And I think the animation studio went under before and it basically mm. got chucked, which is a shame mm. because I would like to see that. I think it's a prime candidate for an animated movie, but not in the animated way they did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Instead, we got this like halfway where it's kind of very realistic animation but it's still people with cat features yeah it's it's like just right away you're like what did i do wrong (laughs) yeah as a first exposure to the whole cat scene i was not very i was actually going insane (laughs) i saw that too headache it was not good (laughs) i i has did Ryan show you his notes, Justin? He did. Yeah, we 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 stopped at like an Applebee's or something afterwards, and, and uh, <laughs> he brought out his notebook. <laughs> and that was like 
that whole day was really fun, but it was also like a series of unpleasant events where like I saw cats and then we got that like burger taco. Oh no, no. Yeah. That sounds like the horrible way to end the day. Yeah. You convinced me and Marcel to get a burger taco. You're like, yo, burger taco. That sounds really good. We all. Why would you take any advice from Justin? Because clearly he loves things that are so bad they're good. Literally, just took you to see cats. I know. Yeah, no, I should have. I should have learned from rooming with you for a year in college. It just shouldn't go along with anything you do. It just ends in my own pain and misery and upset stomach. But that all being said, it, it was a fun day. I can definitely see that being just a fond memory yeah. years from now, when mm. after the PTSD treatments. Yeah, that day, I mean, the end of that day, I was like, I can't believe the day I just had. <laughs> what just happened? It was like amusingly terrible, which is the Justin brand. <laughs> the Justin brand. <laughs> Justin, do you think that that cast in the movie, if they had done a live action with them dressed as cats, do you think it would have been a good interpretation of the musical with the I, cast they had? I don't, honestly. The stage production requires, like you said, incredibly trained dancing, like extreme acts of athleticism. Yeah. And I feel like only maybe half of the cast there had that sort of, you know, background. Uh, that yeah. training that would require it because the the movie leaned pretty heavily on the sets and transitions and sort of like what's going on in the background mm-hmm. uh, but you just can't do that on the stage show you have the stage yeah uh, you yeah. can't follow james corden walking down an alleyway because there isn't a, an alleyway to walk down yeah, yeah when i saw that james corden was going to play Bustopher jones i was just like well there goes uh, i was like no this is definitely going to be not the same another thing that uh, Lindsay ellis brought up was that the director tom hooper he's already got an oscar under his belt he is his brand is hyper realism which worked in lame is for some some reason probably because of Anne hathaway i'm gonna guess but then they said now we're going to take a surreal bizarre complete suspension of disbelief show and give it to you who is obsessed with making things as realistic as possible what could possibly go wrong (laughs) he's like good by the way i want to give the cats buttholes (laughs) yeah but the butthole edit edit. never gonna have those the the techs who did like the editors who did like the all of who were trying last minute to get the fur on all the cats were like no get rid of it get rid of it burn burn it all (laughs) can't let anyone see this because with film right you can release something independently you can have a manos the hands of fate right ryan (laughs) you can have manos the hands of fate it gets noticed it gains traction because of mst3k because people look for that with plays you got to get it off the ground you got to hire the actors who need to do multiple nights i feel like there's a lot you can't just hire your best friend you know you know have your buddies have a camera you know go you need a stage do you make you know what i'm saying like i feel like it takes a lot more to get a bad play off the ground which stuns me all the more when stuff like um moose murders or phantom of the opera 2 love never dies I love that show. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen it? Yeah. Yes. Good. I was like, I wanted to talk about that because when I learned that there was a sequel to it, I was like, how? They all moved would- to New York. What else would they do? 
Yeah, and go to Coney Island. But where did you see, was it in Boston when it was being no, performed? No, they have a uh, a movie version. Yeah, okay. Is that the only, That's I don't feel like. I've, I've seen, yeah. I don't feel like it's put on very much. Am I correct in that assessment? I, I don't think it's put on at all anymore. Because again, they put it together and then everyone was like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to talk about it anymore. Because <laughs> when Ryan told me this was going to be your topic, I'm like, I can think of a couple plays that I am stunned got made. Yeah. Andrew Lloyd Webber <laughs> seems to, to do that. He's got either extreme hits or, or extreme misses. And Kat somehow it? manages to be both at the same time. Yes. Um. <laughs> uh, have you heard of that director who, who I think he did Paranormal Activity, but basically like, or maybe producer, who was like, I'm going to produce a hundred movies a year. Jesus. But it's actually more, uh, it's like a worthwhile investment because chances are if like two of those movies are good, it's worth the cost. And they're all low budget. So it's mm-hmm. like the return on investment of making that many is actually really high because odds are two out of a hundred are going to be like decently popular. Mm. I wonder if Andrew Lloyd Webber was kind of like that. He's just like, I'm going to make as many musicals as I can. And then maybe some of them will be good. I I honestly, honestly, all of them are like passion projects. I think he's very invested in everything that he puts out. Yeah. And you can definitely tell that they're good. Kind of. Yeah, he really likes cats. Like not not the play, the the animal. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. really likes cats. The, the, the same kind of goes with Starlight Express. I don't know if you guys have, have seen that at all. No. Um, it's Sorry. another Andrew Lloyd Webber show. Mm-hmm. About well, it's I think it's described on this Wikipedia page as a cross between Cinderella and Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> um. <laughs> Do the trains are the trains in the positions of the people in the roles of the people so it's a train running to the ball tell it's me it is bizarre. so the cinderella like stand-in is 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 rusty the steam engine okay yes that's what i meant oh my god yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> on top of that like the costumes are basically the train equivalent to like cats ridiculous where they're all wearing like huge boxes on their chest on top of that every single person in this show does the entire show on rollerblades. <laughs> Needless to say, this show opened and closed pretty quickly on Broadway. <laughs> Ryan, was that what you were telling me about? That it's huge in Germany? Exactly. Yes. Yes. 100%. Yeah. It yeah. opened and closed very quickly on Broadway, but not before, I guess, some German tourists got to see it and fell in love with it. And they said, you know, the only thing that this play is missing is German engineering. So what they did is they built a stage specifically for this show. Bochum, Germany. This is one of my my bucket lists to go see this show in Bochum, Germany. Pulled up pictures of, of the cast. The rap, <laughs> own it, nail it. Yes, yeah, so the, the Bochum, Germany stage actually has like a, a railroad track going through the audience. So the actors can like rollerblade around through the audience during there's like three different race sequences that happen during the play. Um, so they're like roller derbying in the audience. That sounds so I cool. Can see that. Do you think if these German tourists just happened to meet with the production of this before, you know, it was produced and they were like, we like this, let's make a special stage for it. Do you think it would have been more popular than closing like basically the same day it opened here? <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like that just wouldn't have, have flown because, you know, making a, a new 
stage is an incredible amount of money yeah. and it would literally be dedicated to this show because what other show has a roller derby in the middle of it i mean that <laughs> opens options for creativity right yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> all of a sudden it's a whole genre mixed ideas roller derby musical yes <laughs> it's cinderella meets thomas the tank engine yeah sky's the limit after that cats with rollerblades <laughs> could do that too but yeah i agree that that is a good bucket list goal to go and see that play mm -hmm. i kind of want to see it too yes yeah, honestly fantastic the the soundtrack is incredible the classic andrew lloyd webber amazing mm -hmm. soundtrack storyline non-existent you know the sort the actual fandom of the opera was a pulp novel right yeah i am astounded how they can take something of basically nothing and turn it into classics things that will like that have stood the test of time for years because it was nothing and again andrew lloyd weber because he seems to be really good at that it was a lot it was about his relationship with his girlfriend wife the soprano who he kind of took under his wing and they both left their respective partners and he created it because he saw himself as the monster and I don't know. It just hits a chord with so many people. Then again, they made a movie out of it and it was meh. Yeah, the movie definitely doesn't stand up to the, the show. Would you call it also horror bad or like good bad? I though, because I feel like Fan of the Opera is a classic. It's basically synonymous with Broadway at this point. Yeah, uh, but like not the movie, I meant not the play. The movie too. I feel like listening to the music is just on a level that's so good that no production could be bad mm -hmm. that's true so then it becomes meh yeah yeah you just think of it as that wasn't the greatest phantom of the opera yeah i i can go and watch the 25th of the anniversary justin did you see did you end up seeing the grinch i did end up seeing the grinch yeah oh, and what platform how did you watch it i think it's on hulu okay. so the the broadway performance is on hulu it's not or... Broadway. It, I don't know what it is. It's kind of like a mix between a movie and a show. I can tell you that the set design is fantastic. And that's <laughs> it. <laughs> Those set designers, they earned their paycheck. Yeah. Costume also pretty good, except for the one that kind of looked like Rick Sanchez. <laughs> they probably looked at that and they were just like, eh. Who is he yeah, supposed I, to be? I, just a who? Just yeah, a who? who? Yeah. Just a random who? Because all the other wigs are like incredibly styled. And then you've got like Rick Sanchez, like. It'll do. It'll do. We made. You can't bat 100, okay? Yeah. <laughs> it's the Grinch on Broadway. What are we going to do? Yeah. <laughs> Did they change the, the story at all? Or was it the original like story? It's the original story. You can't really. That's good. Of Grinch. The most recent animated movie, wasn't it like kind of different? There was an I animated. Didn't see that. I, I, I didn't know. see it either. No. My sister said the the storyline was different, huh. and I also heard from someone else that he was he was actually like a nice guy, which is not at all what he's supposed to be. No, that's not <laughs> the point. There's no moral to the story if he if he's just good in the beginning and he's just grumpy from time to time. That's me. This is a ta tangent, but I listened on the radio. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch came up. Yeah. And it never occurred to me. There's no mention of Christmas or anything that has to do with Christmas once in that song. It's yeah. just a straight roast of the Grinch. <laughs> and yet it's synonymous with Christmas. I know. Yeah. It's awesome, huh? We have a couple of like core questions. So we know what you like. Now I want to know, how did you get introduced to just so bad it's good? And what about it do you like so much? I think I've always kind of had an inkling that this is the kind of genre that I really enjoy because my family was really 
big into watching movies as like a family and my choices when I would like bring up this is what I want to watch always differed from everyone else in my family and they never wanted to watch my stuff but then <laughs> when I came to WPI and we had that that weekly movie night and we consistently watched C-grade horror movies. I Was really that the one that. where uh, Andrew would act out the movie yeah. <laughs> before he has, instead of the movie, I could just watch him perform the movie? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed that. And then over yeah. time, you know, a couple of years later, I started taking over the, the movie night. And I, that's the kind of movies that I would specifically do because honestly, that pulled more people. Yeah. More people wanted to come in and complain about the shitty movie that Justin just brought up <laughs> than actually watch a good movie. Do you remember when we do watched Vamp? Vamp? Oh. That was fantastic. <laughs> the striptease the main vampire does in the beginning. <laughs> But yeah, so they they were just like, let's talk about the shitty movie. I feel like it's part of what brings people together is being able to point at something and laugh. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Laughter is a great way to, to mesh with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder so, if like, cross-country runners where the sport is like a shared suffering, like maybe watching a bad movie is also like a shared suffering that you can all just like, hey, remember when we watched that terrible movie? That Justin made us watch? Why yeah. do we keep going that, to those? I don't know. That was so bad. Why did we do that? But it was a lot of fun. You and uh, Josh had a whole bad movie. I wouldn't say obsession. He was obsessed with The Room. Yeah. Which I'm surprised we haven't even talked about The Room yet. That's like the most mainstream bad movie out there. Yeah. It had a good movie, a supposedly good movie made from it. Yes. That was a good movie. Like a legitimate good movie. Yeah. And then Tommy was always just like, yes, I totally meant to do it that way. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He's a genius. A very strangely sounding genius. So how's your from, sex life, Mark? Is he, is he from <laughs> France? Is he from Lithuania? Is he from New Orleans? No one knows. Do you think he messes with people and changes his accent on purpose? Probably not. He's not that smart. It's bizarre. It's just not any known accent, but he just sticks with it because no one can pinpoint where he's from. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. And he's just like... Somehow it works. What do you think about these types of movies? Do you like about them? It's absolutely the the comedy aspect. I I enjoy laughing, and I it gives me a, an excuse to pause movies and, and really just laugh it out. Right. Yeah. Um, I've laughed until I cried more times watching bad scary movies than I have watching comedy movies. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally agree with that. Yeah. It's a whole nother layer of comedy. Like a comedy can be funny, but you know it's designed to make you laugh. But it's a whole nother layer of comedy when it's designed to scare you, but it <laughs> it makes you laugh instead. Yeah. It builds on that. It's really hard for low budget horror films to not fall into that category if the person making them is trying to be right. considered taken seriously yeah or not not even scary like tommy Wiseau thinking that he had like a very heart-wrenching drama the fact that it was meant to make you feel one way but instead just makes you crack <laughs> up yeah <laughs> when i when i went to go see it i had never heard of it i went to go see it in theaters on apparently the room day yeah, they do have those. Footballs are thrown. There's yeah, pictures of spoons. I, I, I sit down in, in the theater and the person next to me says, did you bring your spoons? And I was like, excuse me? He's like, don't worry, I brought extras. And then hands me like five plastic spoons. And so Good. I'm just there with these spoons in my hand thinking, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? And then we get to like the first like spoons. <laughs> 
plastic <laughs> spoons. It's raining. Plastic. I'm like, all right, I'm in this. Like, we're doing this. Because I've seen Rocky Horror, so I'm used to throwing things at the screen. I just didn't realize that that's what I was walking into. <laughs> it's like a reverse Rocky, Rocky Horror where, like, it's the same thing, but one of them is pointing out the flaws while the other one is you're adding to it. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have to agree. Yeah. The audience participation in Rocky Horror is definitely as if you're a part of the show, whereas The Room, it was definitely like, this movie's terrible. Let's start throwing spoons. <laughs> Spoon! <laughs> yeah, what were some of the other audience participations? Just people quoting stuff and throwing footballs? People quoting stuff, throwing footballs. In the beginning, where it's just like, oh, what, what, uh, what river are they at? Aren't they just like, they're showing scenes of like San Francisco or something? Yeah, they're showing scenes of, of San Francisco. And, and I think I think it's actually the Golden Gate Bridge. They're just panning over it. They pan over it at least like six times in a row. <laughs> in like different angles. And at the first pano, some guy in like near the front row just yells, water! <laughs> and then it like goes and does like another, another pano. And then it comes back to the Golden Gate Bridge. More water! <laughs> I was like, all right, I can already tell this is going to be a top movie for me. <laughs> I mean, we discussed Troll 2, we discussed The Room, various plays. Like, can you give a list of, like, top five? I know that's a big ask. I know. I don't think I actually have an, a good order. They're all my favorites, depending on what mood I'm in. Give yeah, me your I top get, five. I can definitely give you five. Obviously, Cats. Cats is yes. my go-to for pretty much anything. If I'm just bored and I need to kill two hours, I will watch Cats. And then that could be either the, the 1998 version, which is fantastic, it's amazing, yeah. or the movie, which I pre-ordered literally in the theater after we watched it. You just walked out, you're like, I'll be buying one of these, thank yeah. you very much. And the uh, person selling them is like, why? Endless <laughs> entertainment, that's why. So I'll watch either of those two, depending on how I'm feeling, if I want something good or if I want something terrible. And then, Troll 2, definitely. Birdemic, Shock and Terror. Oh, is that the sequel? No, no, no. That's the first oh. one. The sequel is, it. And that one definitely falls under, like, it's bad. You can tell that he's trying hard. Um, oh. The director's trying hard to rekindle the fire that he made in the original Birdemic. And that's, it just kind of falls flat. I feel really bad for people that do make cult classics because they're so bad. And then they're like, well, I'm only known for making something really terribly bad that I was trying to make good. So how do I repeat that? Yeah, but the original one definitely is, you know, cult classic level. I laugh until I cry every single time the birds come. <laughs> the scene where, like, absolutely unwarranted audio, like, screw up. <laughs> what is he doing? They're, like, in a store, right? Doesn't he, like, go up and just says hi? And then, it, like, the audio just, like, Oh, yeah, the first out line so of, the entire of the entire show is... Yeah. Uh, he walks into a diner and the maitre d' or whatever there just like audio cuts immediately. The first, very first line, it's like shrieking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first line of the movie, the whole movie, right? First yeah. dialogue. Yeah. This pretty like subdued scene that all of a sudden just goes like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> And that really sets you in into what, what kind of movie you're about to watch. Yeah. <laughs> the movie okay. with, with audio cut and terrible bird CGI. The, that movie's fantastic. Oh, Orange Juice Acid. Yeah. Never heard of that one. Yeah, they only had, they, well, no, no, no. This part of Birdemic. Oh. The, the scenes. Orange the Juice spit okay. acid, obviously. And oh. Orange Juice. They had to take that scene only once because they ran out of budget to buy more orange juice. I just felt my face drop. <laughs> <laughs> of shock they were out of five dollars from the store yeah, yeah five dollars they, they 
you you don't understand how low budget this movie is i can now (laughs) that's okay yeah that puts into it into perspective absolutely fantastic also in the credits scene half of the names are made up because the they were actually just the director doing all those things but he put in other people's names to make it look like a, a bigger film. Because if it was just his name doing you know, audio, directing, videography, people would realize that it was a low-budget film. As if they he hadn't- Monty python it? It also has a great soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Damien Carter. <laughs> Damien Carter. So hanging great. Out, hanging out with the family, having ourselves a party. Yeah, that's a fantastic yes. song. I, yeah. Only in this movie. Only. It's all those right elements come together and then it's like, boom, excellent movie because it's bad. (laughs) What's the line where they're like shopping in like a market and they see this like tent with some decorative things and he's like, what's the line he says? Lovers on the moon. Yeah, and then and that's that, we move on from there. He says oh. it like it's some sort of reference to something, and it's it's just not. I've literally, I've spent hours trying to Google <laughs> what this is a reference to. And it, it, <laughs> have you seen uh, the Simon Pegg, Nick Frost movie, Paul? It's about two guys who road trip with an alien. No. Highly recommend it. It's a good movie. There's a lot of references to other films. By itself, if you understood none of the references, it's still a really good movie. But so the alien who's voiced by Seth Rogen, Paul, is he's looking at comic books, just checking it out while others are running errands. And he runs into a little kid dressed in a karate outfit. And, you know, he gives the kid a comic book, teaches him how to smuggle it out, you know, so he doesn't have to pay for it. Like, says, that's great, kid. What's your name, by the way? And he goes, Keith Nash. Who's Keith Nash? And, <laughs> and like, a little bit later, because they're, they're road tripping with this alien, uh, the Area 51 people are chasing this group because they're trying to get the alien back one of the guys keith nash kicks him in the balls to get, help the guys escape and they go who is that and paul goes keith nash punch it and they take off and like i looked up in you know i googled it i was like who the fuck is keith nash <laughs> and like i'm looking and everyone is asking who the hell is keith nash and finally someone was like nobody they just put it in because they knew it was gonna fuck with people <laughs> that's great <laughs> it's a fantastic movie if you love sci-fi it's a good combination of like british humor it's two british nerds who went to comic-con on their road trip looking at alien encounter sites across the united states they end up finding an actual alien and they have to basically et him to get him back home all the while being chased by federal agents it is a fun movie. One of the running gags, I guess spoilers, is Nick Frost's character is an artist. He makes comic books and he and Simon Pegg made one which was like a space odyssey. And the front cover has a woman with three boobs. And every time someone sees the cover, they're just like, three tits. Nice. So nonchalant. <laughs> yeah, like they show it to like basically their graphic novelist hero. He sees he's like, three tits. Nice. Every time someone sees it, they pit, one of the aliens picks up the comic. He's like, an and alien, he goes, three tits? Awesome! <laughs> <laughs>
to bring it back like I was at work and it was some downtime we were discussing movies we liked and I was like I really like Paul and one of the guys turns to me he's like oh yeah I've seen that I go three tits he goes yeah nice it's it's the it's the smallest running gag and yet it's really well done because I really like Simon Pegg Nick Frost movies they're they're the guys that did Shaun of the Dead and I I honestly like Hot Fuzz more Hot Fuzz is great Hot Fuzz is fantastic so crazy the great are good Yeah, <laughs> I actually don't remember. I, I'm so bad at remembering movies. I only remember there, Troll Two because I've seen it like five times. I need to see Hot Fuzz again. So you, we were on. So we had Troll Two, Cats, Birdemic. You got two more. Let's go with the Return of Captain Invincible. I was that the one you, you have seen that? Was that the one you didn't want to tell me about? No, no that's a, that's definitely a, that's a different one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I can I can mention that one that one next. But the Return of Captain Invincible is a superhero movie about. Uh, an American superhero that was accused of being a communist because he wore a red cape. And so he just decided to say, F this, I'm leaving. He flew to Australia and just became a drunk. Many years down the line, his arch nemesis is like making a comeback in the U.S. His arch nemesis is actually played by Christopher Lee. No shit! Yeah. Random-esque actors always pop up in like the weirdest movies. Yeah. So the president of the United States is like, we need a hero. We need to go find Captain Invincible, wherever he might be. And so they find him in Australia. It's supposed to be an American superhero movie. The entire movie takes place in Australia. <laughs> they yeah. waste the entire budget on being in Australia? Yeah. Well, it, I think it actually was an Australian movie. Oh, uh, <laughs> they, they got around it. And so the whole movie is, is just trying to get this old drunk to remember how to use his superpowers. And they're all like half working at this point. He gets a little motion sick whenever he tries to fly. He can never quite get which direction his magnetism powers are supposed to go. So like he'll like try to turn on to like reflect bullets and like everything will just start moving towards him. <laughs> um, this seems point. like a not a so bad it's good movie. It seems like just a straight up good movie. Is the no, acting it's, it's terrible? It's also a musical. I should. Say. Oh, okay. <laughs> I take I take back what I said. Yeah, it's fantastic. And so like the the final showdown between Captain Invincible and and, and Mr. Midnight, his arch nemesis, is actually a song that, that probably one of the best villain songs I've ever heard. Christopher Lee sings about drinking and Christopher Lee's like big super play to take out uh, the superhero is to just open up a mini bar. Oh my God. I mean, he's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The entire movie is terrible, but it's fantastic. It sounds like it knows it's going to flop. So might as well go out in a blaze of glory. Yeah, exactly. The movie Ryan that you were you were talking about, it's, uh, HK the Forbidden Superhero, which is a it's a Japanese movie, mm-hmm. and it's about a man who his parents were his his dad I think was was like a a beat cop or something with like a really big strong sense of justice or that's his backstory, and his mom was a dominatrix. A so, beat cop and a dominatrix. Yeah. I'm just... <laughs> yeah. And so through their powers combined, he became a superhero where his superpower was being raunchy. <laughs> that sounds like a... Have you heard of the video game Bayonetta? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that a character in, in Smash Brothers or no? It, it is, is now and everyone was freaking shocked. Oh. <laughs> anyway, continue. <laughs> yeah. He, he transforms into hentai common. Like, uh, Wait. Whenever he puts... <laughs> hentai? Yeah. Tentacle porn? <laughs> No, no, I think it's just supposed to mean like inappropriate or so he transforms into this this superhero whenever he puts panties on his face. I mean, 
that is Japan. Yeah, that movie is fantastic. That is. It's truly compelling. Yes, I can only imagine like them putting it together. They're like, so how does he get his powers? <laughs> Panties. <laughs> There's actually one scene where he's he's not strong enough to face the the opponent that he's currently facing. So he powers up by pulling his underwear tighter. <laughs> so is one of is his like superhero outfit like how how raunchy is it like for the viewer? Because I know Japan's got a really big thing with censoring, and that's why hentai exists in the first place is because. Because you can't have a dick on screen, but you yeah. can have something that looks like a dick, as yeah. long as it's not a dick. That's why tentacles exist. So, okay, a superhero outfit would be freaking hilarious if it was just panties on his head and he's wearing a suit, like a business suit. No, it, it, his super uh, outfit is panties on his head and panties on his crotch. That's, that's it. it. Nice. <laughs> Naked otherwise. <laughs> Did they just see a schizophrenic running around and they were like... That's it. Yeah. Did they film it like they filmed Birdman, or is just like you're in Tokyo, just in a crowd of people who don't uh, know that there's a movie going on? No, it's it's definitely I don't know. A lot of it takes place not sort of in public. Yeah. It's, it's yes. a movie. That's the understatement of this yeah. episode. <laughs> I am. That is a solid five movies that are so bad it's good. I'm a little hesitant to recommend that one though. It's. Mm. <laughs> I forget what the context was, but you told me about it without telling me about it. You're like, I think maybe after you first saw it, you were like, I saw this really bad movie. And I was like, what was it? He's like, and then you were like, I can't tell you. <laughs> yeah, that, that like, the other movies that I listed, 100% recommend. Everyone should see those movies. This yeah. one, you could probably live without seeing this movie. It crosses the border, I would say. There's there's a line, yes. and they leaped over with yeah. wild abandon. They saw the line, and they were like, time to cross. Yeah. <laughs> I did enjoy the movie, uh, but I would feel uncomfortable watching it with other people. Would you consider like looking at stuff, like since we, we traveled to Japan to talk about that, is manga or anime part of your wheelhouse? Would you think about looking at those if someone was like, it's so bad, it's good? Because I feel like it's a lot harder to make a manga or an anime that is so bad, it's good because it's a different, I don't want to say different genre, but it's like there's different things that go into making it. Mm-hmm. I definitely have seen some where it's just so insane, but I think some of it is like you miss it in translation. I can see that. I've watched a fair amount of anime, but yeah, I can totally see what you're saying. It's, I feel like it would be kind of difficult to make a so bad. It's good. Were you the one who was telling me about the, uh, wasn't it like a haunted house or something that was translated? Mm. They like, okay, I take it back. Ghost stories. Ghost stories. Uh, yeah. Ghost stories. Uh, yeah. That, <laughs> you're that's like, an nope. Anime that totally flopped originally in Japan. And the rights to the show were sold to some American company. Like the show was was sold over, but the story or like the uh, script. script was not. Wait, so they just had a bunch of footage that they had no idea what was going on? Yeah, I think I think like the general plot line they understood, but like the script was kind of, uh, who knows. So they gave it to the American voice actors and basically just said, this is the plot, have at it. Oh my God. <laughs> every single episode of that show is immensely quotable because you can tell it was just they got into the recording studio and just had fun <laughs> that um, sounds fantastic i would watch that yes yeah i highly recommend watching it it's it's a fantastic watch so this isn't a so bad it's good it is a so off the walls nuts 
that you can't help but love it. It's called a Kecko Common. Have you heard of that one? I have not. It's so it's kind of similar to your hentai man story. It's an anime because the guy who created it is just a powerhouse in production of anime and manga. And a lot of his stuff was being made. And as a joke, basically made a story about a superhero who fights crime wearing boots and a mask. That's it. (laughs) She fights butt ass naked. And it's at a school where the teachers take immense pleasure in torturing their students. And for some reason, (laughs) the teachers cannot figure out who this masked vigilante is. It's so her name's Kecko Common, and it's like I think like eight episodes are made, and it's like a monster of the week kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And her signature move is basically smashing smashing her crotch into a bad guy's face. That that's actually Hentai Common's signature move as well. <laughs> there you go. Maybe there's inspiration on one end or the other. The guy made it, and he sent it to his editor as a joke. And the guy was like, make me eight more. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, fine, I can do that. <laughs> There's a lot of like homoerotic subtext to it because the main victim, I guess, the one who gets ki- kidnapped, all the woman, who, the girl who gets kidnapped all the time, she's Kecko Commons, a woman. And the girl's just like, oh, she's so heroic. And it's a woman fighting naked. And it's like, are you attracted to her? Like, it's fine. It's also mainstream Japanese. And it's not very often you have something so blatantly lesbian on something mainstream. Usually have to go to certain circles for that. That I would argue is so bad. It's good just because it is so ridiculous. I can't believe it made it to the States and got translated. Mm-hmm. It's just the, way, <laughs> just the way it's set up. Like I remember seeing her the first time. She's like, it's time for my signature move. And Wait, she announced it. <laughs> yeah. She goes, it's something, something crotch thrust and <laughs> it's face to crotch. And then you hear a rooster crow. <laughs> You know it's ridiculous when the, the signature move is announced. Yeah, well, Normally it's, you just do it's, it. it's anime. Yeah, I, that's I what anime is. They're like, yeah. this is my signature move. They actually say that? Not quite that way. It's more like... They just have a name for the move, and they just say, like... Yeah. Okay. move before you say it. That's it takes move. away from everything, like Dragon Ball Z. Kaioken. You go, Kamehameha. You can't do it unless you say... Kamehameha. Mm. It won't work, right. obviously. How can you be a superhero in Japan without announcing your moves? Right. Anyway, I feel like we've done that topic to death. Yeah. You, Any I, closing uh... thoughts, Justin? Ooh, I've got a, a couple added to my list that I need to go watch. Oh, yeah? It's responsible, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is a, just a fantastic hobby if anyone wants to pick it up during a pandemic where you can't really go outside too much. Is it more? I feel like it's more fun to watch with people. I, I wish we could do that more yeah there's probably a way to set it up so you can have like a call with someone and watch at the same time yeah do you usually just like like where do you find this your bad movies use like sketchy sites that i'm always afraid to go to <laughs> no i i feel like i don't know i feel like a lot of the movies i'll watch as they come out like they'll get a, a lot of hype that I can clearly see from the get-go that this is going to be a terrible movie, like Cats was. <laughs> and so I'll see them in the theaters, usually. And then if I really, really enjoy it, I'll just buy it. Because I know I'm going to get a lot of rewatch value. I'm going to force my, all of my friends to watch this movie. 
it's worth it to me so i actually have a a pretty big stockpile of terrible movies in a dvd format or or like files on your computer depends on what you can get i know so what troll 2 is that just a file on your computer troll 2 is is a file on my computer but uh, like the return of captain invincible that has to be dvd because i don't think anyone bothers to watch it to you know make it (laughs) it's not coming out on blu-ray anytime soon have you heard of uh brandon's cult movie reviews i've not i think you'd like that it's a guy from canada he reviews bad movies or cult classics Mm -hmm. some of them he legitimately hates like korean tron he's like i still don't know what happened in that movie and it was and it had english dubbed over and i still don't know what happened (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, he's known for his Godzilla reviews, but I like it when he reviews bad horror movies. Sometimes he finds one where it's like, this is a reason why it is a cult classic, like From Beyond, which I also really like because I enjoy Lovecraft-related things. Mm. I think you'd like that. You definitely could get some good ideas. for yeah, anything to fill out a, a list of things to watch. I think that would be a, a good way to find things to add. Like, if you are having a bad movie night, highly recommend this one. Are we wrapping this up? I think so. Nice. Thank you so much. And of course, anytime. I love talking about sure. bad movies. <laughs> we enjoyed hearing you talk about it because it definitely gave me an idea as to why a lot of people like it. There's viewing sessions for bad movies. Yes, yeah. we're everywhere. <laughs> 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 well, you have spent your precious time listening to us talk about bad movies and why they could be so bad it's good. We hope you had fun and see you next time. And thank you, Justin. Thank you. Bye.